welcome back to Alex Simple I am a PT podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. And if you're watching this episode later, I hope you enjoy the great content that Dr. Jess Watts will be discussing with both Alex and I tonight. For all of you who have subscribed already, thank you. If you have yet to subscribe, like, or follow our pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, please take the moment to do so now. If you love the content that we've been putting out, share with your colleagues, family, and friends. And don't forget, we are also on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. Um, as always, uh, welcome to all of our viewers, fans, supporters. Uh, we're very excited to have uh, Dr. Schwartz on this evening with us to talk about concussion and, and all the stuff that she's been able to put together with, with some of her team. Uh, we're definitely very excited as usual. Thank you to everybody. Keep following, subscribe, comment. Um, and obviously, thank you very much, Jess, for, for taking the time out to uh, be with us this evening. Uh, we're definitely excited about this, obviously. Concussions as a whole um, is, a, I would say, growing topic in terms of popularity, importance. Um, you know, football season's right around the corner, so that always kind of brings uh, this this topic to the to the forefront of things. You know, as unfortunately some players suffer with the concussions and and all the things that we see uh, regarding concussions and their management and or mismanagement in, in some cases. Uh, so yeah, thank you for joining us. We're very excited to to have you here with us. Oh, it's my so, pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really a pleasure and it's also exciting to see you guys grow. I remember when the podcast came up and um, I'm excited to see you guys come through and grow and thank you for the invite. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you have your own podcast as well too, right? I do, I do. I started it, um, well, I don't know if you guys heard, but like the, the rumor out there is the best like like business card you could ever give somebody is a book. And I was like, I, I don't have time for all that. So um, I got invited to host, speaking of football, I got invited to host the Super Bowl Concussion Summit, um, like the biggest party for, for Lee Steinberg. I was very fortunate to be invited to host that. Um, so Physio hosting that summit. Um, so I had all these celebrities and people coming through and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, what am I going to do? So I started the podcast. That was like my my business card. So that's where I started. It was at the 2018 Super Bowl. So that's when that all went down. Okay, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you an NFL fan? Uh, I'm a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. I played four sports growing up. I had a, one too many concussions, you know, young, and then I had my last big concussion in 2013 in a car accident. So, um, yeah, I'm super connected to the injury, and I'm super connected to sport. I'll, I'll always be uh sport uh, an athlete but um i'm a little bit of uh getting old so i'm a cyclist these days but uh i like to watch all the sports what sports did you play uh growing up uh i actually played boys baseball until i was um until i was about 13 and then in the most new york city-esque story i'm a local new yorker um like a like a dad like an an old guy in quotes you know it's probably younger than i am now i w came through the fence and was like what are you doing playing with these boys <laughs> and i played first base and um he started talking to me at the fence i started talking back to him and then my mom met him after the you know after the game and then he recruited me to play basketball and i never really played basketball but i ended up playing boys um basketball in middle school and then there was a girls varsity team when i was recruited to play sports in college and, and then unfortunately hurt myself uh, with an ACL injury my senior year summer, and then that's how I got into PT. So it's all it's all injury-related for me and my passions. It, it normally is for us. I mean, some of us, we that's how we get exposed to, you know, PT or whatever, whether it's yourself or our family member that has suffered some sort of injury that kind of leads us down this rabbit hole of like, hey, what is PT? What do we do? How are we doing that? So not surprised that there was, you know, multiple injuries, I guess it sounds like in your case that, that kind of led to the, to the PT pack. Um, but specifically you said in regards to the concussions that you suffered one back in 2013, uh, in car accident, which obviously we're very glad that that seemed to be worked out pretty well. Um, you know, nothing major, 
But tell us about that experience, um, you know, what that was like, um, and then how that kind of fostered the movement to where you are today. Sure. You know, and it's a tough, um, it's a tough back and go, it's go uh, back and forth, right? When people say it's not that big of an injury, but I actually live with permanent disability uh, from that car crash. Um, so there's a movement we're trying to do is trying to drop the A, so drop the car accident. I even said it earlier. So I was in a car crash. Unlicensed driver hit me from behind. Um, I was in a Toyota Prius. I was hustling, grinding. It was the week that I got promoted to junior partner. And, um, you know, as a kid, Growing up from across the street from the projects, growing up, uh, scholarship kids to, to private schools in New York City, very fortunate to come through very cool pathways in my life. Um, you know, I finally felt like I made it. And then real quick, that life changed real quick. Um, so what I thought was just a concussion um, turned out to be uh, 10 to 14 hours of rehab a week for 14 months. So I underwent... Uh, vestibular PT, orthopedic PT, speech therapy, neuropsychology for my cog, vestibular therapy for my vestibular deficits. Um, I had migraines. Um, I kind of had all the things. So that you can kind of put, except for I didn't have any sleep disturbance. Um, I did have some uh, neuroendocrine imbalance as well. And I've been diagnosed with dysautonomia. So I actually uh, take carbidolol twice a day, uh, super low dose, but keeps my heart rate down for positional uh, tachycardia. I don't have POTS. I don't have the orthostasis, but I have the tachycardia with positional changes, which is um, what we're finding is uh, newer evidence like this year uh, with MTBI and concussion. MTBI is synonymous with concussion. So mild traumatic brain injury and concussion are synonymous in 2022. Um, I would like to see those uh differentiated in the next five years um, from a research uh, conversation. But yeah, so that's that's what happened. And I live with a vision deficit. Um, so I have overhead LED light uh, vision handicap. So nothing to do with brightness or, or, or anything like that, but specifically overhead LED lights. So as a Public speaker pre-COVID, um, speaking all over the world, I um, it's a problem. So I'm very cognizant of not being shy about that anymore. Talking about that, making sure I can control the lighting the best I can, um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. But I love being in the sun, love being in the beach, love being on the bike. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, definitely was it, it's uh, I definitely got my life changed after uh, October third of 2013. I'm sorry to hear that, but it did lead to you starting the concussion corner, right? Yes. When, during my recovery, I was, I got, during my recovery, I, I think like, you know, when you're a, a kid that doesn't have stuff handed to you growing up, you just learn how to work hard. You might not be the smartest in the room, but you know how to have a little bit of swag so you can kind of negotiate your environment and the people around you. Um, so I was very unfortunate, fortunate to have a lot of different types of people growing up around me. And essentially what had happened was, um, was I was like, there's no way this can be, I'm in one of the best centers in the, in the world for concussion. Uh, I did my concussion, my concussion rehab at NYU. Um, it was still new and coming off the ground, but I was like, how do we not have like definitive answers? You know, I did my residency. We were the first six in New York city to do a residency in orthopedics, uh, in New York city at NYU, ironically. Um, and I was like, used to like, okay, tissue healing, six to eight weeks, boom, let's load it. Let's push it. Let's, you know, let's, I can talk ortho all day long. This, you know, you're taking four steps forward and, and 10 steps back or four steps forward and two steps back and the ebb and flow and not understanding how you feel. So when I was ill, I was watching a lot of, and listening to a lot of Ted talks and things and like virtual conferences back in the day. And essentially, um, I was watching, uh, Jill Bolt Taylor or Jill Taylor Bolt. Um, she has like hundreds of millions of views on, on his Ted talk. And she was a scientist that had a stroke. And so what I deduced from listening to and watching her, uh, was my own lived experience with a brain injury. And that was, you don't have this subjective language to express the what and how you feel with a brain injury. And I'm going to say that twice, because it's actually pretty good. I've been sitting with that for almost 10 years. So it's good for clinicians to hear, but you, you don't have this subjective language. You don't have the words to express the what and how you're feeling. 
when you have a brain injury or a vestibular injury or chronic disease or things like that. So I said, as a clinician, I don't even have the words to express the what and how I feel. And what do we do all day long with our patients? We say, how do you feel? What's your pain number? What's this? What's your discomfort? Zero to 10. Give it to me. And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm doing 10 to 14 hours of rehab a week. So everyone's asking me, how do you feel? I'm like, I don't know. Like, so I said, how can we change this? So I was prepared to door to door salesman it, you know, like selling vacuums back in the day. And um, I've just been blessed with some very cool opportunities in my life to try to learn how to educate, to try to learn how to do all the things. And now it becomes down to education, business and marketing and all the things at one time. So um, people ask me what I did during the pandemic. And I say I started a production company because really at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what we're doing over here. So. That, that that's pretty cool so you mentioned you know growing up in new york and, and just listening to you talk you know i can tell like you just said like you've got that hustler that hustler mentality like you know i gotta go out and get it because it's not just gonna it's just not gonna show up on my lap so where where in new york did you grow up and tell me a little bit about you know your childhood and growing up and, and how that shaped, you know, who you are today. Cause obviously you got a lot going on, but you know what the hell you're doing, right? Like you've got that swagger about you that says, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to do. And I know how I'm going to get there. Um, and I feel like that's probably a common thing amongst New Yorkers. You know, we had, um, uh, another guest who was, I think it was from Long Island. Well, I don't remember. Um, yes, Adam. Yes, Adam. Yes. But but it's just that that swagger um, that that you guys have, or that New Yorkers have. So I'm curious to see how like how you grew up, like what your environment was, um, to 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 kind of get you to do that. Yeah, um, I guess my story, my story um, is. Uh, it's not linear. And I think people who do well in this world um, don't tend to have easier linear stories. So um, I'm grateful for the struggle. <laughs> um, but sometimes I'm, I like look up at the sky and I'm like, really? Like something else? You know, what's going on? Um, but no, my mom, uh, my mom raised me a single mom uh, in the East Village, Lower East Side um, uh, of New York City. Uh, the neighborhood I grew up is a very uh, Spanish and black neighborhood. Actually, the avenue I grew up on um, was called Lower East Side Avenue. It's a, a Spanglish word for Lower East Side. Um, so I grew up in um, downtown New York and mom was a single mom. So I learned later in life, uh, which made a whole lot of sense, uh, that I was adopted. So I always kind of stood out in the family. I was like, I'm like tall. I'm five foot ten. My mom is five foot three. You know, she always said that my dad was tall, but then I learned later in life that I was adopted. So I was born, I was grown, I was uh, raised Jewish, but I'm uh, Puerto Rican and Italian as well, like by genetics. Um, so what I actually just, I just met my biological siblings in June of 2022, like a couple months ago. And awesome. Um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So what was so cool is that all of this, like, hustle and swag and and what i've had growing up since i was a kid like i i'll give you a story and i don't think i've ever said the story in public but I, my mom forgot her wallet or she didn't have cash when she like when i was young like we were going out to this like boat in new york city it's called the circle line and back in the day they didn't take credit cards so she had like an amex and they were like no it's cash only so my mom was oh i don't have like where's a cash machine whatever. and she turned her back for like a few minutes i don't even know why i was alone that long but I was alone and I'm sitting by the South Street Seaport and I started singing like this little light a lot, this little light of mine as a kid and took my Yankee cap off and I made like $5. And my mom was like, where the hell did you get this? What, what is going on? <laughs> and so I think if that, that actually, <laughs> that actually may summarize a lot. Um, so mom was a social worker growing up. She was one of the first HIV and AIDS social workers in the country. Um, so she worked in Spanish Harlem in the South Bronx um and developed a lot of programs and she's a tough cookie uh and i love her very much and she 
uh, did that. She figured out how to get me into a private school. Our neighborhood had like the highest stabbing rate in New York City for first elementary school and middle school. So she was like, that's not happening. So I was raised Jewish and she was like going to put me into Catholic school. And I was like, mommy, no, like, <laughs> I don't want to no, know. <laughs> that's not my jam. Um, and long story short, I got scholarships into a lovely private school where I was really cultivated and was, was in a very warm environment. Um, and I didn't know that you actually had to pay for college um, applications. So I applied to like 20 schools. I got into most of them. I was a president of my school in every class from six to 12th grade. Um, and then I went to Ithaca College. So went to Ithaca for undergrad exercise science and then got my doctorate uh, at Dominican College, <clears throat> not in the DR, in uh, upstate New York. Uh, in Rockland <laughs> County. And then when I was finishing the doctorate, you know, I really had a big case of imposter syndrome. And I was like, well, I really don't feel like I have earned this Dr. Schwartz title. I just did not feel comfortable with that. So um, they forced us. We went to school on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 5 to 10 p.m., 8 to 6 p.m., both weekend days. And they made us go on our off Sunday to an NYU job fair. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And there, and the good news was, it was like by my house, walked over there, went early and met a bunch of people. And I was like, oh, I could probably use a job. So this is probably a good idea. Long story short, um, met Kevin Weaver. Hi, Kevin, Dr. Weaver over at NYU. And they were starting the first orthopedic residency in New York. Didn't think I would get in. I was like, this is cool. Um, completely changed in the first three months of my residency. I still see those professors from Marilyn Moffitt to... Bob Rowe to Gail Dial, Tara Jo Manal, Greg Hicks. Like we had Tara, like uh, we had phenomenal faculty for this um, residency. And um, that was that. And in that process, I turned down four jobs in 2010. So this is around the job crisis market um, of the last uh, fall. And Kevin was like, listen, Jess, he's like, I'm a married man. He's like, if somebody's unhappy in my house, especially a woman, I don't want to, I don't, I know you don't want to be here if you're not happy in a job placement. So I was like, kind of going to places They were seeing three, four an hour. I was like, this is not me. This is not my life. So he's like, do me a favor, go see this place out in Jersey, reverse commute. I know you have a car. See you later. Okay. Checked it out. Got an interview. They interviewed me three or four steps. I got the job. So I actually reverse commuted um, outside of New York city. I live in Manhattan. Um, so, uh, and it was a three-day work week. So I learned um, from some of the best in the business side of physical therapy to work a three-day work week, appreciate off days on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, hustle, grind. And then a lot of my residency was really didactic at NYU. And I got a lot of business coaching um, from my bosses over at um, the job that I was working in New Jersey. And I still, to this day, will send people over there. They're a phenomenal place to work for and be a team with. Um, that week I got promoted to junior partner. I was hit by an unlicensed driver in New York City. And then life kind of changed from there. Um, but um, for, I say that that was a blessing in the sense of I had the time to recover. I had support with short-term and short-term disability and, and um, the car insurance uh, money for like a year to kind of just recover. Um, and then I've been able to kind of hustle and grind ever since then. And um, unfortunately, I got hit by COVID pretty hard in New York City, not myself. I haven't had COVID. I think I'm one of the last few in the country. Um, but I lost 94% of my practice during COVID. So people actually, they didn't move to Florida. They passed away um, between the end of March and May 6th of 2020. So my partner in life and now in business, she asked me, she's like, hey, what do you want to do, Jess? Like, what, what do you need? You know, and we kind of got lost in nature and I just kind of took a deep breath and I was like, I just really want to get back into concussion education full time. Um, and that's kind of how Concussion Corner Academy kind of uh, came up. So we just had our first round uh, January 2022 and completely sold out class of 55 students and and just couldn't be happier with how it went. And uh, we've we've just been building on it ever since. You, you've done quite a bit of pivots in, in, in your life. And um, I think the college that you mentioned is the same one that Adam also went to to get his DPT because he mentioned the, the weekend, weekend college. Yes. Yeah, there's, um, two, there's two colleges. There's Dominican College and Mercy College, both in New York. Yeah, I, I believe because he did mention upstate. But um, did you plan on getting into business at all? Um, 
when you first no. went into physical therapy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and then actually when I was in the business side of things in the clinic uh, with the company that I used to work for, um, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I'm not, I don't want to clean toilets. I was like, this isn't, this might not be for me. I was like, I definitely, I, I acknowledge that I need a team and we need to be able to do it. Not just, you know, an end of one. Um, and we had a really beautiful executive team and uh, just, a, just a, a tremendous team of people. And you really appreciate um, a team like, and it came, again, it came back to my athletic side of like really appreciating a team sport. Um, and we were doing it well. we were doing it like a well-oiled machine. I learned a ton. Um, and I'm just super grateful for that experience, but no, uh, my mom. And again, so, and I still hear this to this day, mind you, my mom grew up like 40 plus years in the New York city health and hospital corporation. She was like, Jessica, she's just go work for a hospital, go get a paycheck go get your pension covered and call it a day. She's like, you know, enough with this. Um, so it's just a very different mentality, um, you know, just because I, I think we can do it differently. I think we can do it first and I think we can do it better in a lot of senses um, in terms of really meeting people where they are, especially in a, a I don't want to call it a post-pandemic world, but a, a pandemic world that we're living in. I think we can really, uh, meet people where they are um, and, and still educate really well without people spending thousands of dollars to go to a, a weekend course, you know, spending on gas and airfare and taking off from work and leaving the kids. So um, the beauty of how I designed it is that we have no downtime. So um, so I'm super proud of that. Well, Alex always mentions the guest and every opportunity he gets, how having a supportive partner is important to your own individual and business success. And you mentioned that your partner in life and business, you know, asked you questions, you know, challenged you and you came with doing the first cohort for the concussion corner. So I have to commend you. It's really, it's really important to have that, that support, that, that rock right beside you. So um, I'm happy that you do have that and blessed that you do. Um, being, since you discovered that you are indeed minority, Puerto Rican, um, Italian, Puerto Rican, Italian, you are female and you are also a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, have you faced challenges, um, starting this business? Yes. Um, I think if anyone doesn't face challenges starting a business, something ain't right. So, um, ironically, um, starting everything. So what I, you know, what I really had to, I, I had a vision. So we had to build the vision first. So then I was so fortunate. I cashed in all my chips after COVID and I said, this is it. You know, I was on the front line in New York city. I was like, this is a wrap. I have no desire to be in patient care for a little bit. I do want to get back to patient care, but I, I know, which was different than last time when I w went into this educational space that I need to be all in on this just because of my neuro fatigue from my, from my last concussion in 2013. Um, you know, I need to kind of alternate rest days. And if I need to push, I know I need the next day to recover. And then, I can rock and roll with the best of them. Um, you know, and the, exa the example that I give is I, I, we lost a very important person in my life in 2021. And like two days later, like the BBC reached out to me and was like, hi, would you like to be on world news like tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And then like, we just figure it out. So it's kind of like how my life is. I kind of go in blind, like, and then I figure it out as I go along and then I refine it at some point. Um, but what I've learned is you can't be a perfectionist in this world. Um, good enough is often good enough and just trying to take a chance and, and, and just, you know, if you fail, you fail and, you know, you got to get back up and dust yourself off. And I've been fortunate not to fail too many times, but the times that I have failed, you know, are always very painful, but then, Hey, how can we refine that? How can we do better? Um, and I think that's the, the good thing of like growing up in the eighties, right. Of like, you know, not everybody's a winner. Like you, if you lose that game, you take the L and you shake it off and you go get pizza with your teammates and then you go back the next day and you try to win again. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, what I, what I, a big lesson that I've no learned. Actually, trophies. No, no participation trophies. No, hell <laughs> yes. no. Hell exactly. no. <laughs> 
uh, just quick, a big thing that I learned is that, you know, we ended up selling out this course and we had like a 32 person wait list. And I purposely didn't take them in because we actually oversold by five. The number that I said we'd keep is of 50. We went to 55. And I said, I just want to make sure I do this well, like the administrative, like I never took a credit card payment before, like on the internet, like I'm taking like thousands of dollars of, you know, money from people. And I said, we just need to make sure we do this well. And what was interesting is that we sold that so well and we connected with so many people uh, from our organic hustle and grind mentality, right? And then what was happening in between our cohort one and our, our cohort in September is actually I was looking for grants and I was looking for money, but I was looking for a 10,000, 25,000, these grants. And they took time, like even applying for the New York City Small Business and Women Minority uh, certification in New York City, you could have got a, two PhDs twice over. Um, so what I stopped doing was that I wasn't connecting with my people. I wasn't connecting with my network. And I, that was a, that was a WWE lesson for me of, I just need to continue to do what I do and do well, because a few hours of phone calls, a few hours of networking, a few hours of social media, the ROI on that for me would have been so much higher, um, to kind of build. So I think, you know, you learn as you go. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I was all in on this. So I'm, I'm full-time working. I, I stopped patient care and, uh, I just really believe in, uh, we have a motto at concussion corner Academy and it's teach one, serve many. Um, so I really believe in that motto and it's, it's in my, it's in my blood and, you know, how can we get this information out to people, um, to, to serve their communities. Now, the, the cohorts that you had, the first one, and obviously you've got another one coming through in September. Uh, you mentioned what is the i guess the professional makeup uh, of these uh of your cohort i mean are we talking about you know primary pts atcs you know what what does that look like um you tossed me a softball because i actually have that data for you so <laughs> I, and i did not prep uh, alex for this um so we actually, uh, thanks to Dr. Becky Bliss out of the University of Missouri, um, are very, very fortunate to be, and I wanted to do this in phase two and three. So things that I've been wanting to do in phase two and three, we actually immediately implemented, which I couldn't be happier. Um, so we actually have uh, pilot educational research data uh, for our first concussion cohort. The ones that um, ended up of the 55, 51 of them counted for this research study. Um, so we had 61.5% physical therapists, 23.1% athletic trainers, 13.5% PTAs, um, and 1.9% chiropractic uh, in our first cohort. We CEU, um, this upcoming cohort, we CEU in all 50 states, 20 or 40 CE hours, um, depending on which program you want to go through. Um, PT, OT, and athletic training in all 50 states. And if we have um, 10 or more nurses, social workers, and speech language pathologists, we can see you them as well. I just need to like, for me to hustle and grind while we're building, I need to have the ROI of like, okay, um, but let's do this for you. And it, it's not uh, that crazy to do, but it takes a, a quite a bit of time to CE all 50 states. So um, so that was our, our first crew. And um, we have a physician from Australia coming in for our fall cohort. And we have um, physical therapists so far for the second cohort. So we really just want to make sure we have this interdisciplinary mix of people um, with the central tenant of, hey, here's what I can do as a physio. Here's what you can do as an OT, a PT, a physician, a nurse, whomever. And then here's how we can treat this mutual patient together. Not your patient, not my patient, but our mutual patient. And that's a central tenant of uh, what we do at Concussion Corner. Awesome. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, a couple of years back, you were you know invited to host uh that symposium uh for the the nfl or affiliated with the nfl have you had any interaction with you know any of the the professional leagues whether it be here or even internationally uh with this program or, or any of that um in terms of just in like whether it be them reaching out to you to to, not to tap into your no. knowledge and to tap into the program and stuff like that. Not yet. No, we haven't gotten there yet, but we do have the six of the world's best. Um, I'm very, very confident in saying that I'm, I live a very humble life, um, but I'm very confident that we have six of the top one percent 
uh, concussion specialists in the world um, as part of this first cohort. Our beta two cohort will have OT, our other brothers and sisters of OT, speech, neuropsych, legal, um, their cervical spine specialists, most likely a clinician out of uh, Australia. And um, um, I'm hoping neurooptometry as well. So um, yeah, we're going to have a, a beta two, but no, we, uh, we're we're brand spanking new, so we're we're happy to to meet with organizations. We're happy to meet with um, universities, clinics, hospitals, residency and fellowship programs, entry level doctoral programs, nursing programs, um, athletic training programs, um, and we can tailor any of our data and our information to um, you know individualized or you know come into our our cohorts in uh, January and uh, September um, of each year for 12 weeks. And what's the cost typically for uh, the 12, 12 week program? Copy. So we uh, went through our beta programming and we actually uh, did quite a bit of uh, market research for what people are getting. And let's be really frank, what people have gotten taken away. Um, a lot of people lost uh, CE money during the pandemic uh, and within the two years prior to the pandemic. So um, we're, we keep everything to under $1,000. So our 40, it's called, it's, we just changed the name of it, it's our premium program. Um, our 40 CE hours, so our uh, contact hours premium program um, is $9.97 for 40 hours of CE. That's on demand and live. So you have to be with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, and that's for 90 minutes. It's, it's 75 to 90 minutes. You're 75 with uh, the faculty direct. We got feedback from our, our beta cohort who had 60 hour, 60 minutes of contact time with them. And they, they wanted more. Uh, like it was almost 100% feedback. But they wanted more uh, contact time with the faculty. So I recontracted the faculty. We're doing 75 minute contact time with them. And then just like 15 minutes of housekeeping, which could be 15 minutes or five, you know, whatever that is. Um, the point being is that we really respect people's time. And what was so cool to me, because I didn't, I couldn't foresee this, which is my cognitive blind spot, was that people went on vacation with us. Like people were they're like palm trees in the background and dolphins and, you know, they're all over the world. And they took us with them on vacation. They were like, honey, I got to go take the kids. It's concussion corner time. So it was super dope to just see people experience and live with us and that we, you know, we are January cohorts in the middle of the NCAA tournament. So we had a lot of athletic trainers and sports physical therapists that were traveling with NCAA teams like during March Madness and things like that. And they were still able to do all of those things. Um, so it was so great to see that we could meet people where they were and where they are and that they wanted to be with us. Now, what we also learned during that beta cohort is that um, not everybody can be there on Sunday mornings. And I respect that too. I love a concussion education piece, but not everybody can be there with us. So we're also offering a scholar program, which is our hybrid program. So you get all the same benefits of one-on-one -on -one coaching with me two to three days per week. Um, optional, of course, but come in as many times as you need, two to three times per week for open office hours and coaching. Um, live access to the faculty, but they don't have to be there. And that's for 20 hours. So they can a la carte or come in. It's called Sunday Sips with us Sunday morning. We keep it super casual, come in your pajamas. We met kids, we met dogs, we met grandfathers, we met everyone's people. Um, and then that's optional. So you can come in for four or eight or 10 weekends. But if you're on vacation and you're like, I'm really out, um, enjoy your vacation. So that's 20 hours of CE, but you can always watch all of that on demand because um, we'll get that up for you same day next day. So 997 and 897. And then we will have an on-demand product in the future as well for 697 with uh, no one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, once a month group coaching and um, for 697, but that'll be in the future. Uh, any discounted rates for students? Absolutely. So everyone's hustling and grinding. So students are 250 come in, you know, 250 bucks, come learn with us from the top people in the world. And then we also take care of our residents and fellows. And very, very important is that our residents and fellows get CE'd. So we do all the work. That's that's a break even at best for us. And that's at 397. So for $397, you can um, uh, come in as a resident and fellow and we'll take care of your CE 20 or 40 hours. What's, what's the big goal? Like what's that scary goal for for Concussion Corner? 
Um, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's just like we got to change the world and just we can do that with one person at a time, because at the end of the day there, and this is my opinion, this isn't re research or written about, but it's certainly agreed upon most of us in the field is that the concussion patient of today is much more mismanaged, prevalently mismanaged than well cared for. So how can we change that? This isn't just, I'm a little dizzy. This is, I lost my job. I lost my kids. I got a divorce. I lost my house. You know, this is the injury of concussion changes your I am. You are husband, you are wife, you are funny, you are physio, you are athletic trainer, you are physician, teacher, whatever that may be. Concussion, a brain injury challenges everything in your I am. So we really need to make sure that we have people that understand how to, how to not only identify this, because that's a whole other issue, to not only identify it, but how do we treat it and how do we care for this patient in the acute, subacute, and chronic persistent post-concussive symptoms patient profile? And how do we, um, the number one thing I teach about, and this is, you're going to get this for free on Alex Mo today, is the number one thing I teach about is that you must validate the patient's symptom profile. Bada bing, that's it. See you later. Wrap it up. That's the course. But you must validate the patient symptom profile. And we have the tools to, to do that. And the people who are in our faculty are actually writing the international guidelines on what those tools are. And they're inventing them or they're, they're, they're actually they're inventing them. So we need to be able to disseminate that to the community. And, and here's why. Um, not only you understand that we talked about the I am, the, 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 the um, the the th it really is a threat okay it's it's fight or flight so the fight or flight the threat of your i am with a brain injury in your in a concussion potentially um but up, up to a third will have persistent post-concussive symptoms a third of there are almost four million concussions that are documented per year so that's a, a lot um and that's just documented uh, most people don't realize that if they get hit or in the body neck or or head and they see stars that's actually a concussion so that's a whole other ball game the other part of that is, um, actually, I'm just, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, we have to identify it. We need to treat it. Oh, um, 2015, 2012 was the first year internationally that we called, we spoke about concussion internationally in the international guidelines that we included the neck, the cervical spine, that whole stick that connects the ANS and PNS and the rest of the body. So that's number one. 2015, we... Um, was the first, and sit down for this and buckle up, 2015 was the first formal didactic year that brain neurologist physicians were trained in concussion and TBI. 2015, okay? And 2017 was the first year that we called concussion a rehabilitative injury. So there you go. So we've That's got to educate people. <laughs> That's pretty crazy because, you know, obviously my first exposure, I don't want to say to concussions per se, but traumatic brain injuries, one of my last rotations of PT school, I was at the VA hospital um, in the TBI unit and the polytrauma unit here in Tampa, obviously the James Haley Hospital, uh, one of the big VA hospitals that was at that time was getting a lot of the soldiers you know, the active duty guys coming back. So they would, you know, they got hurt overseas. They'd come into Walter Reed and then from Walter Reed, they trickled down to James Haley. Um, and, you know, the stuff that I saw there was just, you know, fascinating. But, you know, you're, the timeline that you just gave, I'm like, you know, that was 20, 2007, 2008, you know, when I did that. And to think that about seven years later is when we started to realize like hey concussion is somewhere in the same realm as you know what those those soldiers are going through that, that that's pretty yes. that's pretty wild yeah so what's um we're gonna give a big shout out to the tampa va because they were actually the first green team the mtbi green team in the country led by karen scop and yamel dianos who's an occupational therapy and dr scop who's a physical therapist um and that was formed by dr scop at all down there um and they were the first in the country to have an mtbi green team down there um so you really had some of probably what you learned in 0708 is probably just trickling up to the clinics now. Yeah, no, that that was uh, 
by far one of the most fascinating experiences uh, that I had in PT school was was being able to, and obviously, I, you know, I was at the University of South Florida, so it was just across the street for us, um, and, and it was it was it was very very rewarding, awesome experience to to learn and, and to see those uh, men and women uh, coming back, and, and obviously having to recover from those things, and you know, and it's it's again, it's all those different things that we don't think about to tie into the brain and concussions, but you know, when you mentioned vestibular stuff earlier, like I, I always remember this one patient that we were working with, he was a sniper. Um, and he had to get pulled from his job, obviously, in the sniper position because he couldn't scan, you know, his, his surroundings. So he would be given a target. He's trying to kind of scan his surroundings, see what's going on so that he can perform his job. And he was just having so much vestibular symptoms that he, he couldn't shoot, um, you know, and, and it's crazy because that's their job. But then we take those simple things and, and put them into, you know, day-to-day -day life. And, and some of the things that you have to deal with, um, you know, even, you know, several years now from your concussion and doing those things, you know, this, this, plays a much bigger part in, you know, our normal lives than what you typically see, you know, because again, you know, we hear concussion, you ask the general public, you'd say concussion, I'd probably venture to say majority of them are going to say football, um, mm -hmm. you know, or something in, in that realm and, you know, oh, they got hit on a play or stuff like that. But I mean, it happens more often. It happens in the day-to-day -day stuff, and it's just, you know, not captured or, or, you know, as you mentioned, mismanaged to where we can't help these individuals lead their lives, you know, and they don't have this, the, the fortune of the amount of money that some of these athletes make to be able to kind of buy some time or, or bridge the gap or, or do the things that they need to do. Yeah, and the um, big thing there is that um, the other central tenant thing that I teach from my own personal experience, both as a patient and as a, as a clinician, is that you have to know what you are looking at so you know what you're looking for. And this is one of those things I'm going to Van Wilder and say it twice for space repetition. You have to know what you're looking at so you know what you're looking for. So what's key there is what you mentioned about the sniper that you have that from the military. And we actually work with quite a bit of snipers in, in my career. Um, and we actually just recorded like almost 70 videos two weekends ago, actually. And one of them was actually working with motion guidance as laser and showing people how to use uh, uh, lasers and also being very cognizant of PTSD in our military men and women. But anyway, the, the I digress there. And the point being is that... <clears throat> You know, do you remember like back in the day when you, I mean, I might be aging us, but did you all have like the blue book and you had to like write in your, you know, exam questions or, or things like that back in the day in university, the blue book and you had to, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colored pencils. All right. So it's now it's like in your head, you're, 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 you're doing it. And um, yeah, so we were drawing the occipital lobe and the cerebellum and you know where does balance happen and where does the vision happen the occipital lobe and we're doing the frontal lobe and the occipital lobes and the whole thing parietal lobes well what most people don't realize is that two-thirds and this is a this is a number about two-thirds of the brain's pathways are devoted to vision okay so 70 percent of our sensory environment it comes through our eyes our vision so our vision is much more than acuity in 2020. Our vision is accommodation, monocular vision. Our vision is convergence and divergence, binocular vision. And, you know, and I equate it to physios. And I remember I was at the state conference in California in like 2016, given some kind of lecture. And I just, obviously on concussion. And I just happened to be in like the Rancho Los Amigos, like, like town. So I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta know my audience. So I was talking to them and I was like, the, the vision conversation that we're having is no different than if you're trying to walk forward and your right leg is like kicking it out to the side and it's not cooperating with your left leg. Can you get there? Absolutely. But what's it going to cause? It's going to cause stress to the hips, to the knees, to the ankles, to the low back. Uh, it's going to, uh, your, your center of gravity might be off. So it's going to get there. It'll probably be a little ugly. 
um, but you'll eventually get there. And it's no difference with the vision is that when the binocular and monocular vision um, for perception and working together are not working together from an ocular motor standpoint, that is a rehabilitative injury. And that's a rehabilitative thing that we work with occupational therapists, physical therapists, and neurooptometrists to rehab that. And that's one thing. So what happens is that somebody comes into your outpatient ortho clinic and they said, I have a concussion and we do what we do. We treat the neck. We're really good at that. And we try to exert them and do a dual tasking, but something's still not right. It's because it's probably being missed, either something vestibular, neuroendocrine, or ocular motor. And so, or sleep or whatever, all the things that amount to what concussion is. But um, I really think the future is that the vision, the ocular motor component, the visio-vestibular exam and treatment paradigms are really the future of where concussion uh, rehabilitation is gonna be and should be. Well, you mentioned, um, we've discussed uh, settings like uh, subacute, uh, acute settings and outpatient settings. Um, Alex and I work in home health. Uh, there's no guideline pretty much for if a patient is discharged from a rehab facility and goes home and they're asked to receive home health. How do we best manage um, a patient in the home health setting who has experienced um, concussion or mild TDI? So, so number one, sure should be because you guys are going to be seeing a lot of these patients and with the geriatric patient population, not just geriatrics, I know we treat much more than geri at home on home health, but with the geriatric population, we're going to have more baby boomers than pediatric patients in this country in a few years. Um, hello, you know, so we need to be able to identify first um, because what you guys are going to pick up on are the, the hip fall fracture. Uh, I don't care how it happened hip fractured first, they tripped and fell, the hip fractured. Either way, they had a trauma. They had a laceration on the eyebrow. They hit their head. They didn't hit their head. They had a whiplash injury with the fall. They hit the coffee table. We've seen it all. It's And it gets nasty. They hit the, the countertop on the kitchen. But what do we do? We need to triage. We need to keep these people alive. So we send them to the urgent care emergency room, or I should call it emergency department. My ED docs get really mad at me. Um, so it's more than a room, guys. Uh, but the our, our EDs, the emergency departments, and they triage and keep the patient alive. But oftentimes the concussion's missed and they're in that 50 year or 60 year old age. And then they say, oh, it's just early dementia. It's 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 early Alzheimer's. It's this and that. No, the patient was working. They were a secretary at 65 years old doing the darn thing and they cannot concentrate and they can't stay awake in midday. And that was not their baseline. So you guys are often going to be the ones that are going to catch that. And that's when you can do a Buffalo concussion physical exam. That's when you can do a visio vestibular exam. These exams take less than 10 minutes and identify the concussion, rule it in as if, and or rule out anything else differential. But that's totally possible. And then you may be the ones identifying that. Case in point, had a patient uh, that, you know, we'll leave nameless. She was in the 50, mid 50 year old age group and she was with her husband on the back of a motorcycle. Motorcycle kind of slipped and fell. They fell off. She had a facial laceration above the eyebrow. She was working in a major state in this country for a, a top law firm. And she thought she was going crazy. She called the suicide hotline three months later and thought she was going crazy. They stitched her up in the hospital. They sent her home. Shabbat Shalom. That was it. It was a wrap. While she was experiencing signs and symptoms of a concussion, and she had no idea what they were, she was having sleep issues. She was having uh, suicidal ideation. She was uncomfortable in her environment. She couldn't food shop. She couldn't drive. She thought she was going crazy. And she called the suicide hotline and they actually admitted her for a three day stay. They did an evaluation and the psychologist found out that she had a mechanism of injury. So on the flip side of those things, I was very fortunate to um, uh, shadow uh, a wonderful, bright and shining uh, physician out at UCLA, Dr. Chris Giza. And I, there was a patient there and she was going through quite a big, many things. The concussion movie just came out with Will Smith and uh, regarding Bennett Amalu. And I just happened to be actually at the movie premiere for that. And I'm in this physician office and I'm just there to shadow and I'm listening to the patient speak. And one of the most profound things that's ever happened to me as a clinician is that this woman didn't have a concussion. She was at the concussion center. She was being evaluated by one of the best concussion physicians in the world. 
and she didn't have a concussion. She was going through a divorce. She was stressed out of her mind. She was worried. Uh, she was dizzy. She was going. She was going through menopausal changes and all these things. But she saw the concussion stuff on the news and she got worried. So that was also really important that not everybody has a concussion. You have to make sure that there's a mechanism of injury. Um, so that's really important. But the two stories I think are really profound is that we have to be able to know what we're looking at so we know what we're looking for. Um, and most clinicians in a very low ego, humble space, if you're coming into my area, you better sit it down on the mat because we'll sit down together, is that most clinicians don't know what they're looking for, uh, don't know what they're looking at because they're missing a piece. They're missing the orthopedic injury. They're missing the neurological injury. They're missing the ocular motor vestibular stuff. They're missing the sleep or the neuroendocrine. So how can we look at that from a 30,000 foot view and then a tunnel vision view? And how do we do that well? And we can as physios because we can do all the things, um, but we really have to make sure that we're surrounded by an interdisciplinary team. Awesome. With with your your program, the Concussion Corner. So obviously, it's a, a twelve week program. It is, in your opinion, all inclusive. As far as hey, you get done with these twelve weeks. I, as the creator, you know, leader of this, feel that. To what capabilities do you feel that the, the cohorts coming out? are able to to assess these patients and and treat them and and get them heading in the right direction so really really important it's a really great question um and it's really really important for me um there are a few i do not speak poorly about anybody in the field um we need to all build each other up however there are two um existing programs in this world um that are let me just put it to you this way. They're not interdisciplinary and they're run by one profession who really doesn't have training in neuro, um, is not usually a part of an interdisciplinary team. That's not to say that there are great clinicians in that field. However, we need to make sure that we are an interdisciplinary, all-inclusive rehabilitative team. We just had our centennial anniversary as physios, 100 years, APTA, whoop, whoop. Um, but at the end of the day, we were literally in the trenches during World War One as rehabilitation aides treating brain injury. Um, so, you know, as we have our neuro training, as we do our neuro residencies, as we tre treat neuro uh, and we we work in an interdisciplinary team. So very clear here is that we do not offer certification at Concussion Corner Academy. We provide you with a certificate of completion. But again, not everybody's a winner because the people who are expert in this field field take the time to say, you know what, I don't know, but let me take the time to find out. And then we train you how to how to find that network, be a part of that network, trust people who are in the know. You know, there's a lot of controversies with mouth guards or chocolate milk after brain injury or these neck guards that kind of compress the jugular, um, you know, and things like that. So there's a lot of controversy out there. So how do we um, push through the weeds? So we actually simply go to the source. A lot of people are teaching about their sources because they're inventing the, the the information but they're actually you're getting the you're getting the water straight from the hose let's put it that way uh, or straight from the dam i should say as opposed to the hose so uh i say this i'm an expert in nothing but maybe a good craft beer and a new york city slice of pizza um, i'm incredibly passionate about concussion education and concussion care um but we uh are Beta one are uh, it's called the patient concussion, the patient rehabilitation journey, part one. Um, you will be able to evaluate and treat and refer day one to the right clinician. And I really believe that um, as opposed to, you know, uh, missing or or the whole thing is to be able to do that differential diagnosis do it well, maybe do it over a few days because that's what the body can handle and also be able to identify that when the patient's had enough um, is very, very important with concussion because you get a lot of false uh, negative or positives there. Um, and how can we, how can we treat them um, 
and refer out appropriately. And hey, maybe there are third-party payer issues. Maybe I have access to OT in my facility. Maybe I don't. Maybe I work in Alaska. We had two Alaska uh, students um, that were up with us at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, rocking it and crushing the program. Um, and what allows that to happen is you can watch everything on demand, listen to it in the car like a podcast, sit with it at your desk at work, at home, wherever, space repetition it, come in live with us or not, that's okay, um, on Sunday mornings, and then you have opportunity to come in with me one-on-one -on -one two or three days a week. So really suss this stuff out um, and have an opportunity for coaching, have an opportunity for guidance. Um, but you will most likely be ahead of 90% of clinicians out there after coming out of our program for just the beta one. And we will have, and, and knowing and being humble enough to know that there is so much more to learn. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but we really, you know, give you a, a ton of information. And just to, so you know, 100% of our students um, said that our dosing of the material and our the time spent was spot on. So they didn't want more than 12 weeks, less than 12 weeks, uh, more time on the weekend, less time. They actually wanted more time with the faculty. So we bumped that up to 75 minutes. But that's how that that works. So. And, and then a follow up that. So as you said, you know, you you're just tip of the iceberg. Is there plans for Concussion Corner to have, you know, like a, a step two, step three, however many steps there there can be? Absolutely. So we'll have um, micro programs for our graduates. So you have to be a graduate to have that. Those are already in the plan. So as you experience beta one and beta two with us, have these full programs, then we'll have a webinar series and actually case rounds we're working on internationally. So, hey, this is this patient. Um, we de-identify stuff. So that'll be coming down the pipe uh, for our graduates or for like a small webinar fee. Uh, really, really important though. It's so important that we um, CEU as much as possible for our students, which also makes us unique. We also have a nonprofit partner um, that we actually directly support. We're not profitable yet, but when we get there, we're going to profit share with them up to 3% of our profits. And they are an affiliate of ours. So then we can also on the back end um, take care of them um, before we become profitable. So it really is a two way because I really believe in supporting brain injury. Unlike um, folks that are living with cancer, this doesn't diminish cancer whatsoever, but there is billions of dollars of cancer funding. Um, and there's about a hundred million dollars or so um, for TBI. And just so you know, there's over 43 working definitions of traumatic brain injury. There is one of them that's evidence-based in the last five years. We have zero phase three clinical trials for TBI because we could not agree on a definition until recently. So again, you have to know what you're looking at so you know what you're looking for. So I think what we'll see in the near future are subtypes no different than cancer. We're going to see an ocular motor subtype, a visual vestibular subtype, a mood disorder, cog behavioral subtype, uh, all those things together. Um, but again, we're not there yet. So we have to really come from this educational piece with a very humble approach because we, we have to be able to say, I don't know, but let me take the time to find out. And it's really cool is that the people in our program are actually uh, taking the time to find out. <laughs> so And they're solving those issues uh, for international um, thrivers and survivors of TBI. Thank you again, Jess, for being on the show. Um, I definitely learned a lot. Um, hearing you talk about uh, multi-BIs and concussions. Um, and uh, the Alex and Mo podcast, we are an affiliate. So we will share the link for you guys to receive a discount uh, to the upcoming cohort. There, how many spaces do you have left? None? Um no, we have we have discount. Uh, we don't have discounts for the students. That's for you. So right. you just directly support um, physical oh. therapists and, and and minority owned companies. So we give a percentage of the uh, profit to or not the profit, the, the proceeds to you guys. Um, I'd rather I'd much rather pay people who are working hard and hustling than uh, an Instagram or Facebook ad. Um, the ROI on that is so much more. And I'd much rather support local therapists. Um, so we do have an affiliate program of seventy five dollars for um, students that come in and want to refer their colleagues and friends straight to you. We pay our affiliates out every uh, the 20th of every month. It's a Zelle. There's no fee for anybody, and we put it directly in your pocket. Um, and then we do have group discounts uh, with 10 or more for um, uh, for hospitals, clinics. Get a bunch of buddies together at a happy hour and come on through, and you can get 40 hours of CE for as low as 6.97. So we're happy to support folks that way as well. 
Thank you. That's uh, awesome. we, we appreciate it. So it will serve clinicians in any settings, home health, acute rehab, subacute rehab, outpatient rehab, mobile PT, cash PT. This yep, is emergency department PT, athletic trainers on the field, in the clinic, wherever you are, we, we want you. And one in four adults has either had a concussion or know someone who's had a concussion. So um, if you are listening to this podcast and you're one of those one in four adults and you just don't feel right, it's probably from the concussion. And it's something that can be treated years later. It's something that can be identified years later. Um, there is hope for people, but we just have to get you in the right hands. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jess. Really appreciate your time. Uh, as always, thank you to our followers, listeners. Uh, continue to subscribe, comment, like. Uh, definitely follow up on Concussion Corner. You know, Jess is doing amazing things over there for a, a population that, that, you know, underserved and just kind of left out to dry for the time being. But with Jess running her program, hopefully that's going to change real quick, you know, get these patients into better hands so that they can get uh, their life back and, and doing the things that they want to and need to do. Um, so as always, thank you to everybody. Thank you, Jess. Uh, everybody have a very good evening. And again, thank you very much.